the Arena Football Hall of Fame has returned, and we want you to become a part of the family. Introducing the Arena Football Hall of Fame Patreon. Whether an all-star or a Hall of Famer, our reasonably priced tiers each have their own exclusive perks. Early access to the AFL Rewind podcast, honorary selection committee member, and much more. Help us build a Hall of Fame we'll all be proud of. Head to patreon.com slash AF Hall of Fame to join. Welcome to AFL Rewind, a look back at all things arena football, sponsored by Phenom Elite. I'm your host, Tim Capper. When you look at all the cities that have been in the Arena Football League in its history, usually each city has a name that if you mention it to somebody on the streets, they'll know exactly who you're talking about. They'll know what they did for this team and what they meant for the city. Well, luckily this episode, we have a person just like that. This gentleman became a very, very well-known member of the Milwaukee Mustangs, even though he may have left uh, right near the end of his career. But to this day, if you mention the name Gary Compton in Milwaukee, it'll bring back the memories of what he did for the Milwaukee Mustangs. Well, on this episode of the podcast, uh, as we know, we try to do from time to time, you know, go back and then talk to the people who really made a name for themselves in the AFL, but also made a name for the Arena Football League. Uh, with us this episode is a gentleman who I'm sure you know. If you've been a lifer like I am, you know who this gentleman is. On the phone with us now, we have the one, the only Gary Common. Hey, Gary, thanks for joining us. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Um, uh, we know you got started with the, the Texans back in 92, but I, I want to find out from you, um, how did you find out about the game of arena football and what were your initial thoughts? Well, you know, the first time I had found out about arena football, Mike Trigg, who I played college ball with, mm-hmm. who was my college quarterback, who was up in Detroit with the drive and Markham and, and those guys, um, <clears throat> you know, he won a championship up there. And he came back to a spring practice. I would have been a senior that year. And he came back and he was working out throwing in this crazy looking uniform. And, uh, you know, and I was like, what the hell is this? You know, and he's like, oh, this is, you know, this is my, my, you know, my arena team that I play for up in Detroit. And I was like, arena football, huh? You know, because you never really caught on because it was all still so new back then, you know, 88, 89. And uh, so I was like, okay, you know, that's kind of cool. Then, you know, Coach Trigg, um, you know, who's one of the lifers as well. And, you know, who it was one of my coaches for such a long time, everywhere that I went, um, you know, he got into Dallas. That's where we were both from in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after, you know, I got out of college, had a short stint in the NFL, the CFL, the world league, and, you know, kind of, kind of took all those cups of coffee everywhere. Um, you know, I landed back home in Dallas and, you know, got the first chance to play with the Dallas Texans in 92 at the old reunion arena and, uh, played for, as you, Jerry Trice and Coach Trigg, and uh, we practiced over at Pennington Field in Euless, Texas, and it was a, uh, needless to say, it was it was very, very different, you mm-hmm. know, something I wasn't really used to, you know, living four or five guys to an apartment, two beds into an apartment, trying to figure out how the hell you're going to sleep, um, 
getting over to practice, you know, not knowing if you have equipment or not, what you're supposed to be wearing, getting equipment out of a trunk. So, you know, it was kind of my first slap in the face with all of it. It's one of those things, you know, is this something that I really wanted to do? But as years went forward with everything else, um, you know, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. It was a great experience. Like you said, this is a league of lifers. This is a league that's very, very close. Uh, you'll still see today on Twitter and things, people will post things and everybody will, um, you know, respond. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it, it was a very, very great, you know, neat league and all of that, that, uh, you know, I was glad to be a part of. Um, obviously you, you're very well known for obviously not only being the wide receiver, but also being on the defensive line also because a uh, defensive side, because at that time, you know, Ironman football was very, very prevalent. Um, I mean, how being coming out of college and just, just, you know, basically being playing a uh, hundred yard football, what was it like trying to get used to the 50 yard field and the walls and whatever, for, you know, when the first time that you, you suited up uh, for Dallas? Well, you know, obviously the game's a lot faster. Um, and that's one thing that you had to realize that, you know, it's, it's such a fast paced game. Um, and obviously you had to be aware of these barriers that are sitting as quote unquote, what we called sidelines, mm-hmm. you know, and everywhere that I've played except for one place, those walls are undefeated. They've never lost. Um, you know, when you take some contact into those walls and, you know, and it's like hockey and you hit those things. And uh, if you don't really start learning how to play the game inside of that and not trying to run into to the walls and all of that, um, I've seen a lot of careers get cut short because people didn't know how to play the game the right way with it and, and all of that. And you know, it's just one of those things you had to learn. You had to learn how to play it, you know, how to create, you know, create your game and mm-hmm. not take hits into the walls and, you know, be careful. I've, I've seen guys break elbows, diving over walls. Um, I've got a great story for you. I'll tell you in a minute mm-hmm. uh, up in Albany in a playoff game as we start progressing here. Uh, but, yeah, it's just one of those things you had to learn. It was very fast paced and, uh, you know, had to pick up on it quickly. What about playing on the other side of the ball? Because, I mean, obviously you were you were more known as a wide receiver itself, but uh, in college, but I mean, how was it playing both ways? Because, you know, it, that was the game that, that was being played now. It's not like the NFL wasn't like the CFL. You, you were playing both ways in the arena league. How hard was it getting used to playing on the opposite side of the ball that you were normally uh, used to playing? Well, you know, it was funny when I first, my first two years, I played the middle safety and it was so funny because, you would go score on offense and you would flip right around and you would be covering the guy that you just scored on, you know? Um, and so that part of it took, took a little toll, you know, as the game started getting faster and guys started getting faster, coach Trigg and I, we sat down and we talked and he's like, you know, Hey, you know what? Let's play the Jack linebacker. And, you know, back, back then, you know, as you said, it was a two way game, you know, you played the Jack linebacker, quote unquote. That's where they, you know, a lot of people say, you know, you you would hide a wide receiver because you had to use them. Uh, but we were very smart in that whole thing, you know, especially playing on the offensive side and knowing what's going on in the game itself. Uh, you know, you could do a lot of damage over there, you know, and picking off passes and all of that. And you know, and I always say too, you know, Greg Hopkins and I used to always give each other shit. Uh, you know, who was the best Jack linebacker to ever play? Uh, <laughs> You know, but it was one of those deals to where, you know, play that spot and everything. And then as you got down to the goal line, you would almost hope they would not take some big boy and put him in the backfield because you knew he was getting the football and you knew they were fixing to run the ball right at you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was one of those things where coaches would try to run defenses, you know, to keep you to give you help and all of that. Um, But it was great. You know, Ironman football, as I've always said it. 
there's no better football than that because you can be good on one side, you have to be good on the other. And if you're not good on both sides of the ball, you it just, you know what, you can't cut it in that league. And I think that's what kind of separated arena football for many years. Yeah. Now, your first year in Dallas, I mean, in 92, I mean, yeah, you know, record aside, I know you guys were five and five, but how was it uh, being a first year arena league player uh, being coached by uh, John Paul Young? JP. JP was very interesting. You know, JP was one of those guys that, you know, West Texas guy, always wore a cowboy hat to practice, always cut a cigar and half chew on it, spit all over you while he's talking to you. Uh, but he was a great guy. You know what? He taught, you know, he knew the game of football. He had been around for a lot, a lot of years. Uh, you know, he had coached over there, you know, with Bum and those guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where you took it in. You know, you were new. You were a rookie at this game. Um, you know, you had to learn, like I said, learn all the nuances of it. And, uh, you know, he was a great guy to get started with and all of that. And, you know, like I've always told everybody, you know, he was my first coach, the one that brought me, you know, helped bring me into the game and everything. So, you know, definitely my hat's off to, to him for allowing him to, you know, let me be able to play the game. Um, you're talking about the, it, was it the playoff game in Albany that you're talking about in 92 that you wanted to tell the story about or is it? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so we're playing. So we win the division in Dallas. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we have a chance to have a home playoff game. Okay. Well, we couldn't obviously guarantee as many seats as what Albany could. Right. Okay. Cause Albany, you know, was very, very good back then. So we ended up having to forfeit our home playoff game, and we had to go to Albany because they would split the gate receipts with us. Okay. Okay. So we're already pissed off about that, and we're having to fly to Albany and everything else. And, you know, that's a ruckus crowd up there in the old Knickerbocker Arena and, you know, all those guys. And um, we're it's probably the third quarter, and, you know, I'm the middle receiver, so I'm the guy in motion, and I run a, I run a post route. And uh, Todd Hamill, quarterback, throws the ball, and he throws it, over the side of the wall okay Mm -hmm. well i kept running here again kind of new with all this i kept running and got hit and got flipped over the wall and when i got flipped over the wall i bet you i had probably 30 cups of beer being poured all over me (laughs) um, by all the fans and i you could not get me out of there fast enough (laughs) get back on the field and i'm like holy shit is that is this how it is it you know because that's one of the rougher places that we played at yeah um you know, is that how it is in this game? And, uh, you know, you hear so many stories about that with guys, you know, over the years and everything else. It's just, you know, it was crazy. It's not something you usually think of uh, coming from Albany, actually. You would think that maybe of Orlando or, or Arizona right. Or, or, right, or, or Tampa exactly. Bay. But, I mean, it's, yes. I, I never would because – I, I, you know, I, that's where I saw my very first game too, was in, in Albany. So it's a just a year later, actually. So um, it, that's very interesting here. Now, I, now being first-time pro – Hearing that, I mean, I would thought that the the reunion arena held more people than the Knickerbocker Arena. What what really was the reasoning? Is that what they actually told you? Is that because you guys weren't going to well, draw, draw as well? That's what they told us because they knew we wouldn't draw very many fans. So they figured, okay, if we go to Albany and they've got, I forget what the hell, like twelve thousand. Yeah, the whole yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, and we split the gates at six. Well, that's probably more fans than we're going to get in Dallas. And you know, and that's how the owners were because they were, you know, they were. They were trying to pay their bills week to week. You know, mm-hmm. if you weren't one of the first 14 guys running the bank on, on Tuesday afternoon with your paycheck before practice, hell, you played for free that week. Right. You know? Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of what it was, you know, and everything else. But, you know, we went up there, played. We gave them a fight um, and everything else. But, unfortunately, we lost. And, you know, that was the end of that year. 
actually, well, no, the, the good thing is actually you won. Remember, you you, you actually went the next year and you played uh, the next week and you played in Detroit. Oh, that's right. That's right. You know what? It's, uh, there you go. You are right. That is a win. And they go to Detroit and got spanked up in Detroit. Yeah. That is correct. And I mean, you are it, right about that. Yeah, the thing is, I mean, if you think about it, the first year in football, you kind of get screwed on your home playoff. But yet, you go into Albany where, you, where you're forced to go. You win, and you get you get the mm. extra check. And you, but then, as right. I said, you go to Detroit, and they just handed it to yeah. you guys. So yeah, then you got to go play the Detroit Drive, where they had all the superstars. Yeah, you know. But the good thing about it was afterwards, you got to eat Little Caesars pizza, and they had beer in the locker room. So, <laughs> that, you know, so that was always good. Yeah, and, and a nice arena too, and a nice arena on top of that. It, so. Very, very. You know what? The Joe Lewis was. That's one of my favorite arenas. I really like that place. That, that, that was a neat setup, and they drew very, very well there. Yeah. Um, uh, 93 comes along, you, you end up getting a new head coach. I, now I've already, I've asked this many a time, but I'm just curious to know from your point of view, what was it like ha- being a, a, you know, second year player now, I, I guess in any, anywhere in football, you end up changing head coaches as a player. How does it make you feel that you're, you're one guy is out for whatever reason why JP was out and you get coach Trice as your, as your head coach? Well, you know, it's kind of, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of one of those things to where, you know, I guess kind of you look at it as players, you know, too. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you get into these things and they're not <clears throat> they're not what, you know, you thought they were. You know, you were sold a bill of goods or something else. And, you know, you play out, you know, you play out the year of it. And you say, you know, I learned my lesson or whatever. And you don't walk away and move on. Uh, you know, back then, you know, we're talking about the league only being around six years. Yeah. You know, stability was hard. Uh, players, owners, GMs, coaches, you know referees arenas i mean everything you know nothing nothing was stable besides you know some of the places you know like you said tampa orlando you know there's only a handful of them right uh you know so yeah so coach trice came along and you know another funny guy another texas guy yep um you know really really enjoy coach trice uh you know i still speak to him matter of fact i had breakfast with him and coach trigg about eight months ago down in commerce texas um and he was a good guy you know and there again you know and kind of the the same caveat and the same you know component to that you know was coach trick coach trick being the offense coordinator right and uh you know so so we stuck around there in dallas in 93 and uh you know had some good times and all of that and and uh, you know play with some good people what do you think the difference was uh, that year because obviously you're, you're only three and nine that year what what do you think uh you know some you know players will tell different stories the record does not necessarily equal how good a team actually is and how good the players actually are what for that i think what, what, how right. do you I think I think a lot of it was that second year we were there. We had a lot of turnover. OK, um, you know, and it's anything else. And people will always tell you, you know, it's it's hard to play, you know, especially when you're coming in, you know, and it's your second year. and You're playing with a bunch of new guys, you know, some other guys left. Some other guys went to other teams. You know, is anything else back there? It was almost kind of back in those days. It was almost you went to the highest bidder. Yeah. Okay. Cause everything was, you know, everybody was doing illegal things back then. We all know that, um, you know, and it was just one of those deals where we never, you know, we couldn't click. Uh, I think we had good talent, uh, you know, but we could, we just never could click and never could get over the hump that year, you know? And I think maybe that was part of after that happened, you know, and in 90, they'd had a lot of success that, you know, they thought, well, maybe arena football's time to move on here in Dallas. Which actually leads to my next point too. It's funny, uh, you know the the Texans don't exist. In, you know they they fold. They don't exist anymore. And you, but you still get to stay in the state of Texas because you catch on with the Fort Worth Cavalry. So you're just basically a hop, skip, and a jump away from where you were before. Um, what was it like playing for a uh, for a first year team? 
that you know now that was different because Coach Trigg was in charge. True. Okay? Coach Trigg kind of Coach Trigg kind of put his fingerprints on everything. Um, he had brought in you know a lot of some some former people that you know had had some experience. Um, you know, and things like that. But again, you know, you're playing for a new organization. Right. Um, you know, and everything, everything back in those days, you know, it wasn't about the money. We all know that, you know, we weren't, we weren't making thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, it was more about where was I going to eat and where was I going to stay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and how can I catapult myself to try to, to try to get another shot? up to where, um, you know, if I wanted to go to the NFL or anything like that. Right. And, uh, but it was a good time in Fort Worth. You know, we played at the convention center, old arena, um, you know, great time there in Fort Worth, uh, you know, liked it a lot, you know, thought it was going to stay around for a while. I thought, you know what, we had a chance there, uh, but it was short lived and, you know, as anything else. And we all know about arena football. If you Google it all and you start looking at teams, there are hundreds and hundreds of teams that are, that are in one, you know, in one and out the other, you know, Woody Kern, who owned us, right. Uh, was big into minor league baseball. Yeah. Um, it had a bunch of minor league baseball teams. And I think maybe he thought that, you know, he could get into this thing and, uh, you know, it would be like minor league baseball, but, uh, you know, whatever happened there in Fort Worth, obviously it was short. And, uh, you know, so now it's, now it's three years in and, you know, I played for two teams and, you know, and lo and behold, the, "Quote unquote," the Calvary were going to go to Monterey, Mexico. Yep. That's where we told we were going to be, and uh, so we're all fired up. We're going to get to go to Mexico, hang out on the beach, the water all summer, and then lo and behold, that all fell apart, and now they now becomes a dispersal draft. Okay, I was at. Uh, well, before we talk about the dispersal draft, I mean that that first year. I mean, even though you guys went five and seven, by the way, Woody Kern, as people know, that he went on to own the Tampa Bay Storm and et cetera, et cetera. So, yep, um, yep. Uh, you know, 2000, uh, sorry, uh, 1994 was really your first breakout year. You had an amazing year on the field itself. I mean, you had your first thousand yard, uh, thousand yard receiving uh, year, uh, 69 receptions, 17 touchdowns. I mean, you, you, you finally seem to be able to, you're getting, uh, getting used to the game itself. And that's true. You know, the third year in the game became, you know, a little bit easier. Like I said, you started learning the nuances of things. You started learning, you know, how to, how to master your craft, um, you know, the first two years in it, you're just trying to tread water. You know, it's like anything else, trying to learn a system, mm. something that's new. Um, you know what that was? And that was a breakout year. Uh, you know, had some good games during during that, that course of the season. And, uh, you know, just, just kind of try to build from there every year. Uh, yeah, because I'm looking at the team here. I mean, it's uh, – I'm looking at the, the – I remember – it's funny. You know, I talk to you now. And all those years later, back in 94, I remember you, you guys coming in Albany because I was actually at that game mm-hmm. um, and, and seeing you guys play. So it's um, actually, no, you Isn't guys. That funny? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and you, you won. It's that, yep. that, that's, that's the thing. You yep. won in overtime in Albany. So yep. I mean, it was, yep. that it was, was crazy. A, it was an amazing game, amazing time, amazing time. So um, is it tough not playing? Cause you, you played in about averaging about 5,000, 6,000 people in Dallas. You're playing in less now in Fort Worth. Did it sour you in any way about when it came to fan interaction and how fans were liking this game of arena football? Or was it like, I'm just here to play football? Well, I think what you start to realize is, you know, when you start going to, you know, the Tampa Bays and they're playing in in, uh, St. Pete, Mm -hmm. you know, over there and they're putting 25,000 in the stands. 
you know, or you go down to Orlando and it's sold out or you go to Detroit, you know, you go to these different places and you're wondering, well, how is it all like that? But it's not like that here in Dallas, you know, is there too much to do? You know, the sports just nobody cares about it. Does really nobody care about the game? And we used to enjoy going on the road and playing because we knew we were going to play in front of a huge crowd. And, yeah. you know, and a lot of people like that, you know, you don't want to be playing a football game to where I can hear the guy next to me talking. And, you know, there's nobody, you know, there's really nobody in the stands. Yeah. Um, and there's been arena football games like that many, many of times at many, many of places, um, you know, so, so it kind of, you know, getting back to your question, you know, yeah, it kind of, you know, was a sour taste, you know, you're at home, you're supposed to have a home field advantage, but it's like every time somebody came into your home arena and all that is like, it was a neutral site, you know, right. uh, heading into 95, as we said, the, uh, the Calvary donut don't last past, uh, past 94. Um, but 95 is really when you, I, I think everybody remembers you the most, obviously Gary, because I mean, it's every, if they think of you, they think of you in the, in the, in the Milwaukee purple. Um, how did you, obviously with coach Trigg going there too, was that the reason why you went to Milwaukee or was there any other reason? No, he was the sole reason. Yeah. Um, you know, he called me up when they did the dispersal draft and he said, Hey, we got the number four pick. I'm going to take you. You want to come to Milwaukee? And I said, coach, I said, I'll tell you what I said, you know, wherever you go and you always want me to play for you. I said, I'm there. No ifs, ands and buts about it. You know, uh, like I said, my family knew Mike, you know, <clears throat> way back. And, you know, he was, you know, it's hard as a player to say, I got all my trust in a coach. Mm -hmm. Cause it's just, you know, you're, you're two different avenues there. Uh, but I can honestly say that with him, you know what I trusted in what he was trying to do. Um, I knew he wouldn't steer me wrong. I knew he would, you know, do right by me. Um, you know, and still again, you know, he didn't have to take me, you know, I could have went anywhere else or maybe I couldn't have played the game anymore. I could have had a three year arena football career and that would have been it, you know? Right. And I've always told him that, you know, to this day that, you know, he prolonged my career, obviously, cause a lot of places he went to, I played for him. Um, but that allowed me to come up to the Midwest. Uh, it was different up here. But, mm -hmm. boy, I tell you what, when you start talking about playing in front of crowds mm -hmm. and people getting rowdy and all of that, <laughs> this place in Milwaukee was one of the best to play for. Yeah, the Bradley Center, I remember, was rocking. It, it was a place where you wanted – if you could have a good matchup with a team, no matter where they were from, it, the, yeah, Milwaukee was the place to, to play. Uh, I know – 95 started off a little bit different, though, and, and then your normal years, if I'm not mistaken. Um, did you take part in those those three early games over in Europe? Uh, yes, I did. We went over there, um, and we were we played in Barcelona, Madrid, and somewhere. Yeah, you played in uh, Spain, Zaragoza, yeah. uh, yeah. Granada, and Madrid, and as you said, so it's... yeah. 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 So we went over there and played early in those three games uh, before the season. Kind of a, you know, that was back when they wanted to do test markets. You know, they were thinking the game could get overseas and do all of that. You know, they had done some of that in the past. And, uh, you know, so I was able to <clears throat> I was able to go over there and play a little bit um, and everything. And then I am trying to remember with that because something happened with me in 95. Mm -hmm. And I think. I'm not going to remember if I, had a, if I broke my collarbone. Okay. Um, I believe that's what happened. And it might have been in Orlando um, when we were playing there. And what I believe, if I'm not correct, I had a situation to where, and here again, these are so totally different things. Yeah. I had a situation where I live in Milwaukee part of the week and I'd fly to Dallas and live part of the week. Okay. Huh. 
I'm, that uh, having broken collarbone, I'm sure that's not very easy to to deal with, though. <laughs> no, not at no, not at all, not at all. One of, you know, one of the most one of the most painful things ever. I can, you know? I can only but, but here again, you know, the first year up here in Milwaukee, you know, great plays. People were, uh, you know, they went over their first year. Yeah, and uh, you know, Saban was the head coach up here that first year. They got rid of him. Uh, they drew very well up here, and you know, it was a great market. It was a great market up here, and. Uh, you know, as we get through here and we continue to tell the story and all of that, um, you know, just what a great place to play. Uh, you have any more? What was your first thought when you when you first were asked to go and play in Spain? And then you what was your reaction to this foreign crowd? Because, as you said, the league was trying to they were looking at possibly starting up a European division, which never came to fruition. But what, what were your initial thoughts that uh, of the uh, of the crowd, uh, how they the, how they understood the game? Because. I've seen a few. I think I've seen an actual game from Barcelona uh, that's that's available on the internet, and it, it seems different, obviously, because we're used to the different crowds, et cetera, et cetera. And but what what were your overall impressions of the of the uh, of the fans in in Spain? Well, you know, it was different. You know, you think about it because oh, so here's this you know this foreign game that these people really don't know what it is. You know. Obviously, it's something to do. So, hey, let's go check it out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you get out there and everything else, and you're warming up, and it's kind of quiet. And you get lined up for the kickoff, then all of a sudden, a kicker kicks a ball, and the whole place goes nuts. <laughs> okay, all right, wow, that's kind of cool. So you get in a huddle, they all sit back down. Your call play, it's silent. Yeah. Okay, you go score. The kicker comes out, kicks a field goal. The whole place goes nuts. <laughs> you know, so it was so it was their part of you know thinking it you know soccer and a uh-huh. kicker you know and everything. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, but it was neat. It was cool to go tour those cities and, and uh, you know, play in those arenas. I'll never forget the last spot that we played in was almost like uh, a helodrome with the bikes. Oh, and really? the end zones The end zones in the corner would be almost like two yards higher than it would be about two yards down below. So everybody would try to run a fade route up in the corner because you would be like – six feet taller than the other guy, uh, you know, in that, in that one part of the end zone. Yeah. So, you know, they, they made it work, you know, in any, in any spot that they could have it. But like you said, it was more of going over and, you know, trying to put, maybe trying to do this European tour, uh, get European, you know, try to get arena football started over there. Uh, you know, we kind of see that now, you know, when they were doing the AFL overseas there in China and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a great experience to go over there, you know, play the game with, with some great people and some, you know, a couple other teams over there and have a little fun. And, and uh, you know what? I love hearing that, that anecdote about the, uh, about the higher, uh, the, the, with the rising of the field itself, because that, that's something, you know, if we weren't there, the games weren't televised and, you know, when, right. That, that, that's a cool, that's a cool anecdote. That's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> That's right. I, that's something I had I hadn't heard before. So that, that's pretty neat. Hey, uh, one thing I have to ask you too is um, obviously you know your career started off differently than a lot of others did in in arena football. What were your thoughts going into and this this ties into you you playing over in Europe? What were your thoughts of a pure rookie quarterback coming in and getting his first taste of arena football? And a guy who, you know, I think a lot of people will remember who, who he is, uh, you know, uh, happened to be a quarterback uh, uh, of yours, Clint Dozell. What was, <laughs> what was, what was uh, your thought on a pure rookie quarterback just learning the game in an exhibition game for the very first time? Right. You know, and it's funny because Clint and I went to the same university and I got to watch him play. Okay. Uh, and, you know, very, very good quarterback. But, you know, it was different, too. 
you know, you're talking about somebody that hasn't ever played the game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just, you know, coming out there kind of the first time and, uh, you know, trying to figure it all out. Um, you know, and the game moved a little bit faster. Uh, you know, as I said, as anything, when you, you know, when you're, when you're a rookie playing this game, uh, but you know what, Clint, Clint did a great job. Uh, you know, I, it's always funny and I always tell everybody, you know, there's been a lot of great quarterbacks in, in this arena football league. Um, you know, when I was fortunate enough to play with the one that broke the record first, you know, and Todd Hamill. Yeah. Uh, but I've, I've always said, you know, no disrespect to said Bonner and, you know, who was great and, you know, all those other quarterbacks. But if I could have had two quarterbacks to play with, it would have been Todd Hamill and have been Clinton Dalzell. Yeah. Um, and- and, and I think that that's that's what I love hearing about players because you know people can be chosen certain things in, in all time history, but it, players have an idea of, of considering who's the best based on who they've played with. And as you said, mm-hmm. it's, it's no slight on them. It's just that you you know them in a way better than others do. Exactly, and you know what? And you know Eddie Brown would tell you, you know, with Pulaski and you know Mike and those guys, you mm-hmm. know what. Hunky and, and uh, Gaywood are going to tell you you said all day long because mm-hmm. they played with him. You know, they played with him for so long. Yeah, um, and it's just one of those deals. I think when you get comfortable with your quarterback as a receiver, you know, it's just it's just one of those things. And, I mean, you know, you see it in the modern game today, you know, with, you know, we've seen it with Brady and his guys, you know, Edelman for so many years and Gronk. Mm-hmm. I mean, they you just know where you're going to be and you trust that guy. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I was glad to have the, you know, glad to have those two quarterbacks. Um. It, as I said, '95 wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, you know, as you said, you you got injured, so your 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 st- your stats were slightly lower than the year before. But I mean, it's, uh, you know, that 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 can't happen in the game itself. I mean, um, but then you head over to '96, and you guys are one of the class teams in the league that year. You guys went ten and four. Um, you seem to be. You know, uh, you're 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 getting these rivalries together now with these different teams. I think Iowa, obviously, you got you and Iowa seem to be getting it together, on, getting on pretty good. You and St. Louis. Um, mm-hmm. What um, in your earlier days? I mean, as I said, now that you guys are starting to win now in '96, in your opinion, and I guess in the time in Milwaukee or whatever. Uh, but what was your uh, what was your favorite rivalry? Uh, obviously, earlier on, it seemed to be Albany because of of how it started, but Right. For you, for you, who do you think your your favorite rivalry was? Well, you know what? Early on, I want to have to say St. Louis. Okay. Uh, because you know what, we went down to St. Louis and we played some barn burners down there. Uh, you know, with those guys, and you know, that's back in the day when you know Daryl Hammond first started. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and things like that. You know, with those guys, and you know, it's five hours from us. You know, it's not it's not very far. You know, it's almost you know it's like baseball Milwaukee and Chicago today. Uh, you know, things like that. So, uh, you know, that was one of the good rivalries we like to have. They always had a great crowd there. Uh, always like playing there. You know, I always like playing against them. Uh, then, you know, obviously later on, you know, I think the Iowa's and when Kurt Warner was in, mm-hmm. you know, and those things. I mean, you talk about a place to play. Now, anybody that can sit in Iowa in the stands on a bench and have somebody taking a cast iron skillet <laughs> and a hammer and bang it in your ear for three hours and you still have not lost your mind and still have to go out there on that field and play. I mean, that, I tell you what, that, that would get to you. Yeah. Well, what, what do people tell you when you say that you played against Kurt Warner? Well, you know, it's funny cause everybody's like, you know, yeah, where, 
that's the first thing they ask. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and I'm always like, you know, well, he started, you know what? He started where we all started. He started mm-hmm. in the arena football league. And if it wasn't for the arena football league, he probably would not have had that opportunity. Yeah. You know, as a, as a, a few of the guys that played this game, you know, had that, um, you know, we did a fifth anniversary poster here in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. um, that they did a big, a big print. And, uh, you know, and on that print, Kurt Warner's on there. Uh, and I have it framed up in my living room and all that. But, you know, I get a lot of questions on that. You know, you really played against Kurt Warner? And I was like, yeah, you know what? And he was and he was really, really good, too, you know, in this game. This game was this game was built for him. And, you know, and obviously it showed, you know, for him moving on. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice, you know, to be able to play against some guys like that that you see go on, you know, and have a Hall of Fame career in the NFL and be like, you know what? I, I, I've lined up in battle with that guy before. Yep, that that that's that's yeah, and that, that's that's so cool. That that really is cool because it's you know if depending on how old you were, you may only thought of you know old Kurt Warner came and most people don't. I said like yourself don't remember where people started their careers at. So it's correct. It, yeah, it's it's now wasn't there a unique thing? And I'm trying to remember if it was St. Louis or Memphis because you played St. Louis and Memphis that year in '96 yep. at St. Louis and at Memphis. Which was which? What arena was it that had these smaller than normal boards? Was that St. Louis? No, that was Memphis. That was Memphis. St. Louis, because St. Louis was set up for hockey. Okay, so okay, so you could use those hockey boards because it seemed like the the Memphis ones came up to your waist. If that, yes, oh yeah, yeah, if that, (laughs) yeah, and if you and there, you know, there's many times that people have, uh, you know, you flipped over that wall there in Memphis. There's there's no doubt about that. But I tell you what, what you know. Another one that kind of came and went, mm-hmm. uh, but what a great place to play, you know, uh, there at the, uh, at the pyramid, w- at the pyramid there, uh, and what great barbecue. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You I know, had some of the best barbecue ever in the, and you know, that I've eaten in Memphis. Uh, so yeah, this is some great places to play. That's for sure. There. Um, as I said, you guys were ten and four, made it to the playoffs Your your year obviously was a little bit better than the year before. Um, let me ask you this: Now that you your career really has taken off, was there ever at a time? Because obviously, still so we're at the time of of Ironman football. Was there ever a time where you could you wish you could have been an Eddie Brown type of player, where you only played wide receiver? Or by this time, was it like you know what defense and offense? I'm so used to both. I don't mind playing either or. Well, you know, I mean, I think you would, you know. I think everybody wanted to be an offensive specialist and that's what they were called, you know, and only play, only play on offense. You're playing every series, you know, because if we remember, you know, back in the day, you know, usually, you know, you would play offense, defense, offense, and you'd have to come out for a break, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, or, you know, as it got later on, you know, we could play, you know, more minutes and all that. But, you know, it's one of those deals where your game's just different, you know, when you have a, you know, when you have a guys, you know, that I played with, you know, the Alvin Ashley's and the Larry Ray Willis's mm-hmm. and, you know, those type of guys that, you know, could get it done on the offensive side, um, you know, but, <clears throat> you know, maybe didn't want to play defense, you know, coach didn't want to put them in defense. Um, you know, it was one of those deals. I just kind of got the knack for, you know, playing that linebacker spot. Uh, you know, I kind of liked it and, uh, you know, just kind of went with it and said, hey, this is this is what I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to, you know what, I want to be the best at it. Now, as can happen in the arena football, again, actually, as happened in, in, in other leagues too. But sometimes there are, there are those games where you have to play teams in back on on back to back weeks. Uh, you guys <laughs> had you guys had to do that this year. But the the, the interesting tidbit about it is, is that you play Albany in the last mm-hmm. game of the regular season, and then you play in at Albany. Uh, sorry, at yes. home, at home, and yes. then you had to play yes. again 
at Albany in the playoffs. First of all, what is it like playing a team back to back? Well, you know, it's I mean, it's it's really hard when you, you know, especially then when you know that whether we won, you know, if we won, we were going to play them at home, mm-hmm. you know, and if they won, they were going to play us at home. So we knew we were going to get them twice, you know, twice. But, okay. you know, you'd rather get the following week in the playoffs, you know, a win versus, you know, the, the last win of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's hard to play, you know, teams back to back because, you know, especially there, you're trying to win that last game. So you're you're giving everything that you got. You're putting everything out there, you know, play wise and all that to get that. And then you got to turn around vice versa. Now you're playing, you know, one game eliminations. Um, you know, and it's unfortunate too, because, you know, we were, you know, and it's all, it always seems like, you know, when I'm talking about being in the playoffs playing, I'm always talking about playing Albany in my career for some reason, you know, it seems like, (laughs) it seems like I played them a lot, um, and everything, but yeah, it was unfortunate there. You know, we didn't, we didn't get that win and had to go up to Albany, um, and play that following weekend. So for them, for, for you guys, it was, uh, it was a, a win and you host, but uh, a win and then they, they were to host because at the time I think they came into the game at uh, nine and four, you guys had already had your 10th win. So they got you based off the, uh, off the old head to head, didn't they? Yes, sir. They did. And yeah. unfortunately, like you said, we went up there that, that next weekend and, uh, you know, again, a ruckus crowd, playoff crowd, um, you know, it just fell a little bit short. Uh, going into to 97, um, slight step back. I mean, yeah, eight and six, but still not, not nothing to, to, you know, to, to put your nose up at, but, um, for yourself, uh, you had your second best, uh, receiving yardage in your career that year. You had 920 yards. Uh, again, you're, you're getting them from, you know, when I think of, and, and as I said, the, the you were, everybody remembers you. They remember Todd Hamill because Todd Hamill, however long he was in the league. I mean, he he's he was in the league for such a long period of time, also. But how was it being? Would you consider? Would you have considered yourself the number one to Todd Hamill, even though you may not have led the team in yards and touchdowns every year? Well, yeah, you know, I think you know it's always tough with that because you know you don't. I mean. When it's all said and done, yeah, you know what? You want all the touchdowns. You know, you see everybody, you know, you see these guys score nine touchdowns, right, you know, right. 17 receptions, you know. But they're, if you really think about it, they're all they're all the offensive specialists. Okay. You know, yep. they're, 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 not, they're not your two-way guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of the fact that you're going to end up having to sit out, you know, catch a breath, like I said, or a rotation floats around. Um, but with TH, you know, like I said, he was my quarterback for so long. Um, he – always knew where I was going to be and I always knew what he was trying to do. And it's a very, very weird um, dynamic when you start talking about that with a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember some games that, you know, I'd be like, damn dude, you put the ball right there. And he's like, I knew you were going to be right there. That's why I did it. <laughs> you know? Um, so to get back to your question, yeah, did I always think I was number one to him? Sure. I did, you know, with that part, because I always, you know, in my mind and all that, Hey, when it comes down to, you know, what needing something, Five's looking for two, and we're going to get this done. Yeah, uh, eight and six that year. It was a, it was a, a year of runs for you guys. I mean, uh, win uh, lose two, win five, lose <laughs> four, win three. Yep. Uh, you did make the playoffs, though. I mean, for a team, though, obviously you want to try to be as as steady throughout the year as possible. Do runs frustrate you as a? Did they frustrate you as a player or as or your team itself? Because you know, you think you're, you're, I mean, you run off a, you know, you're five and oh, one point in the last five games, but then you lose four in a row, which I'm sure you thought you could easily uh, have won them or you run into a team that you didn't expect to do runs frustrate players, or is it just, you're just trying to stay in the mindset of just 
playing the game each week and, and, and trying to be better than what than how they are? Well, I think, you know, they'll <clears throat> they'll frustrate you a little bit, like you said, when you go on, you know, a four win, you know, <clears throat> run and you lose one and you say, Okay, well, you know what? That's okay. You know, you lose another one, you say, Okay, well, what the hell's going on? You lose another one, you're like, All right, you know, what is happening here? Why are we why are we like we were, you know, in this month, but yeah, this month we can't we can't win a game. You know, you know, is it because we played at home that we're on the road? You know, what's going on? Um, and you just, like I said, at the end of the, you know, you try to go out and just play your game cause you can't control it. You can't control what everybody else does. You can only control what you do. Right. Um, you know, you go out and play and you know what, you let the chips, you know, fall where they may. And, uh, like you said, you know, we were on a short end of some of those games that we should have won, um, you know, and, and thought that, you know, we would have had a better record than that. Um, ran and for the, I think for the first time you actually played a team different in the playoffs that you had in your career. Uh, first time, first time you, you got out to Arizona and as everybody knows, Arizona, as you're talking about those places where you just love to play, considering how good the, the fans are, uh, Arizona was, is one of those places. And, uh, what was it, was it intimidating going into Arizona for the first time in, in the playoffs, well, you know, in, in the playoffs? Yeah, and you know what? And, you know, we had been out there before we mm-hmm. played out there before, um, <clears throat> but you know, playoffs is a whole new level out there. Um, you know, and. And you know when you come when you go to when you go out to Arizona and play, you got to bring your A game mm-hmm. because the crowd is definitely you know you don't have that going in your factor, you know, and it, and it, it's a very very tough place to play against a, a you know a very very good team, um, you know. Always love playing against Hunky and Sed and Gatewood and those guys, you know, um, and all of that, and you know, wish we could have won out there um, and everything, but here again, you know what, we fell short that year in the playoffs and. Uh, you know, just had to kind of look back and see what we could do better and move forward. Ninety-eight, there are some changes for you. Um, still with, still with the with the uh, uh, with the Mustangs, but you had a change in head coach. In your in your opinion, uh, you're looking at Trigg versus Coach Frazier. Uh, was Frazier the right guy to be the head coach for you at that time? Well, I think I, w- I will go on the record to say this. I think Coach Trigg was done wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, when he moved on. I understand management have decisions to make. Okay. I get all that. Um, you know, and you got to do what's best for your team. But I think, you know, as you said, when you go 10 and four, you go eight and six and you get rid of a coach. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> there's, there's more than, you know, the dynamic there. Um, you know, and it left a bitter taste in some of our mouths. Um, you know, coach Frazier was there with us, you know, he was our defense coordinator. Um, and I think maybe that, <clears throat> you know, the organization thought because, Coach Frazier was older and had more head coaching, you know, uh, years underneath his belt, maybe right. that he might've been the right guy to get the team going. Um, you know, I still say to this date that I think, you know, management and I want, you know, and when I say management with the Mustangs, everybody knows who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that I thought that, you know, they, they did a, a disservice to, to coach Trigg and, and all that and moving him on. Um, because I think we had, we had, um, some things that were going, very, very good for us here um, and had uh, had everything right on the table. And, you know, as Bum Phillips, you know, used to say, well, you know what, we've knocked on the door a few times and all that, you know, and we thought we had a chance to kick the door in. But we just, you know, after he left, we just didn't have that opportunity. Yeah. Um, even though you were 7-7 seven and seven that year, it, you put up your best career numbers ever. So you and Todd were, as we were talking before, not, you know, one, one to two. Um but also that year, 
you guys started a probably one of the best uh, rivalries other than the Warren I-4 and, and San Jose and, and Arizona and et cetera. But you guys, for the first time, were able to go and play the Grand Rapids Rampage. <laughs> you guys got to, that was, as I said, it became one of the, one of the, the must-see games of the week, if possible. That game was on local television. What was it, uh, what was it like playing, playing against Grand Rapids? Well, and if people don't know, Coach Trigg became the new head coach with Grand Rapids. Yep, yep. <clears throat> so, you know, there was some animosity. You know, there was a lot of fire. Uh, We knew that, you know what, these are revenge games, if you want to call them that, that they're going to do whatever they have to do, excuse me, to come out on top. And if they get a chance to embarrass us, they will embarrass us. So we better be ready to come play um, and, you know, get after it. Don't don't think of them as an expansion team. Um, And again, you know what, to go play in Grand Rapids, what a great place to play at. Yeah. Um, you know, fans in that arena and everything. And, uh, yeah, so that was very, very interesting. That was a, that would, that became, like you said, that became a must see TV WWE primetime <laughs> Saturday night match. Yeah. Uh, and, and it didn't matter if, the, if that place only held just over 10,000. It didn't matter because sometimes when, sometimes it, it can be less, can be more. Smaller arena, sort of similar to Albany, similar to what it is in, in Iowa also, in Des Moines. You get enough people in there, the place is just going to be absolutely, uh, it's, it's going to make your ears ring by the end of the game, I'm sure. Yes, and it was a zoo in there. You're, you're absolutely right. It, it sure was. They, they did a great job with that crowd there. And, uh, you know, I always, and I, I wanted to make sure, you know what, that we, we were always playing there. I just, for whatever reason, I like going to Grand Rapids and playing. Um, when Coach went to, uh, when Coach Trey went went to Grand Rapids, did he at any point ask you to come over? Or considering where we are currently in, in this time of the AFL, salaries are getting up there, and, and then players are making a pretty good living on it. Were, were you ever at any point asked to come and join them, or was it? Uh, were you happy where you were in in Milwaukee? Well, you know, it, it had become a deal to where, you know what, I had been here now for four seasons, okay? Um, <clears throat> you know what, and it started living here and everything and became comfortable. Um, I was actually <clears throat> a substitute teacher, and then I coached football here in the off season. Okay. So I kind of, quote, unquote, if you want to say, you kind of make a name for yourself. Right. Um, <clears throat> but the door was always open, you know, if I wanted to then he would do everything he could to trade for me. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I, I figured I knew that they would not let me go here. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. So I just made sure, you know what, <clears throat> stay here and play and uh, make this my home and all of that. And uh, I don't think I would have changed it. You know, it, it was unfortunate. Like you said, we'll kind of, as we're going year by year, it's unfortunate that it, that it did happen from here. But uh, yeah, at that point in time, I was good to go. And you know what? Coach, I love you and all that, but you know what? Well, when we suit up, it's time to kick your ass. <laughs> you, 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 you can be friends before, friend, uh, and you can have a beer after. But once the once kickoff comes around, uh, as you said, you're you're enemies. Exactly, absolutely <laughs> right. Um, you, you'd had a taste of the playoffs for the last couple of years. Did it did it frustrate you that you didn't make the playoffs in '98? Yeah, I did because we thought, like you said, I you know. Coming off that season, eight and six, you know, going to Arizona, not winning, but knew that, you know what, we had built something. 
and not to make the playoffs that year, you know, really frustrated you. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it frustrated the team as a whole, you know, and we ended up having some guys leave and, you know, all of that. And, you know, I'm trying to, you know, back then, you know, I'm trying to recruit guys to come to Milwaukee. But, you know, if you're not from the Midwest and you're living in Florida or you're in California, you're not coming to Milwaukee. To, you know, you're going to go to San Jose, you know, which <clears throat> I would, too, probably. You know, you're going to go to Tampa or Orlando, um, you know, and things like that. So, uh, you know, it was kind of disheartening not making the playoffs and, and everything else. But, you know, we just said, hey, you know what, we got to try to try to figure this thing out. And, uh, you know, everybody's goal is to win a championship each year and see what we can do to do that. Now, you happen to mention something because I know something something which could have been very – I think it was league-shattering in, in the next couple of years, but what, what I will ask you about. But since you brought it up and you're talking about all these different teams, you know, with the Orlandos, the Arizonas, the, the Tampas, the San Jose's, et cetera, you know, as I said at this time, there are – it is – some – you know, some are making a pretty good amount of money, as you've stated earlier, too, that, you know, sometimes it wasn't always the up and up when it came to how certain players were uh, coaxed to, co- I, guess I think that's the best word to use, coaxed to come and play for a certain team at a certain time. Um, did you feel that you were getting your worth when it came to how much they are offering you uh, uh, through your contract? Uh, you know, as, as anything, when you're a player, you always think you could get more. Right. You know, I thought I deserved more in all honesty. Uh, but, you know, where was I going to go play? And like I said, had to have a name for myself and make good money, you know, in certain places I'd want to go to. You know, right. I, you know, we couldn't go to San Jose because you had Wagner, you know, couldn't go to Arizona because you had Cooper. You know, I couldn't go to L.A. with the Avengers because they had Hopkins, mm-hmm. you know, you know, so on and so on. You know, Iowa, they had their everybody had their group of people. Yeah. Um, you know, that they that they had. And so, you know, it was one of those deals where you're, you know, where you're like, OK, at some point in time, free agency will hit uh, in this league and all that. And when it does, then I need to make sure that I'm ready to get to, you know, the value that I think that I'm worth. Yeah. Uh, in 99, uh, again, you guys were just right there at status quo. Same thing at seven and seven. Um, it, it you know, you still led the team in. Uh, in receptions, yards, and touchdowns, uh, but it, it just didn't. It, I guess it just didn't get any better. I mean, was it a, an issue of uh, was it the coach, or was it a matter of again uh, the players that you couldn't get to, to to stay there with the with the Mustangs? Well, I think you know when you start looking at it here again. So you go ten and four, eight and six, seven and seven, seven and seven, and yeah. we digress two years. Yes, you know, um, you know, was it the system? Um, you know, with that, I don't, I, I don't know exactly. I mean, there are some things, you know, being a captain and all that, that I didn't agree upon, uh, that I thought some things should have been differently. But, you know what, who am I to, to say that and do that when I'm a player? You know, I'm not a coach. I'm not a GM. I'm not management. Um, I can only go out and play with what's given to me and, uh, you know, and make the most of it. Now, I can voice my opinion uh, a little bit with that. But, you know, how far does that get you? Uh, because you could just see it seven and seven. We weren't getting over the hump. You know, mm-hmm. we were just there. Like you said, we're status quo, you know, third in the division, you know, last in the division. Don't make the playoffs. You know, you're playing for your life in week 15. Uh, you know, then all of a sudden it's taken, you know, it's taken away and it's gone, you know, and you move on to the next season. So it was one of those to where we begin to wonder, you know, after that 99 season, you know, what's going to happen here? What are we going to do? What am I going to do? Is yeah. it time for me to go to management and tell management, you know what? I've enjoyed it here and all that, but you guys aren't doing everything you have to do, and I need to move forward. 
it wasn't that easy even even then in, in those you know in those years to be able to tell them I'm leaving because that's just not how it worked. Right. You know, if they wanted to sign you and they wanted your rights, they had your rights. You had no, you know, you had nothing to bargain with. Yeah. Uh, and if you were a good player on a team and all that, they weren't going to let you go. No. You know, and that, and that was just the unfortunate situation because we had no union at that time. Nope. You know, uh, we, you know, we didn't have an association or nothing. So you just had to, you know, like I said, you had to play with the, you know, the cards that were dealt to you. Yeah. And the good thing too, I mean, I, I know I don't want to say that you know seven and seven seven wasn't a bad record. I mean, you guys, it, it, what people need to remember is that you started off at zero and five. You finished the season yes. at, at at seven and two. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, as I said, you you win, you won when you had to, got into the playoffs, and then well, you, you run into the Iowa Barnstormers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and that's not a that's not a great place to either. You know, like I said, to go play in a playoff game. Yeah. You know, against against them. Uh, you know, and it always seemed that, you know, we always had these tough matchups coming out of the box in the playoffs. Um, but that that's held by, you know, your record that you have and all that. You know, if we're 13-3, and three, we're not playing those type of teams. Right. You know, um, but we were the ones at the bottom of it fighting, you know, traveling on the road all the time, playing, you know, trying to play playoff games to, you know, advance. And, uh, you know, it just didn't work out. Ah, so glad to get out of that dang time travel machine. Where'd you go? I went back to the 80s to grab some of that good, good sports merch from my favorite defunct franchises. I spent my life savings on that machine. You bought a time travel machine to buy sports merchandise. Yeah, gladly. You know you could have gone to 503 Sports, right? The the website? Uh, yeah, no, I didn't think of that at all. Yeah, they sell all sorts of throwback sports merch from leagues like the World Football League, XFL, UFL, and the Arena Football League, several others. Uh, oh, shoot. Yeah, they sell hats, shirts, even custom jerseys from all sorts of vintage sports teams. Oh, man, I spent, like, a lot of money on that time travel machine. Well, look, listeners of AFL Rewind get 10% off their first order by using the promo code ARENAFAN at checkout. That might help you out. Yeah, it does. Go on over to 503-sports.com and, and get your merch today. Do you know anyone who wants to buy, like, a overpriced time travel machine? No, no, sorry, I, I don't. As I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, this is, this will be a, a a change for the Arena Football League, and I think a lot of people look at this and say, and see this is probably where the league. Um, I don't. I mean, the, the league already has its name itself. Games are on TNN. You, you know, you have your championship games uh, on on the on the Big Four. Uh, but it's you know in the off season of the of two thousand is where things really began to change. And I wanted, I wanted to know what your thoughts were on this because um, what people need to remember, and I'm sure if you've listened to the our series of, of podcasts, you'll know what I'm about to, t- what I'm about to say. But in February, late February of 2000, Gary, the league says, you know what? We're not going to play. And if I'm not mistaken, it was a combination of things. It was the, uh, at the time, uh, horrific injury to James Guidry. Correct. Um, and what happened to him and getting hurt when he was quarterback in Portland. Um, and I, 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 I've read things where it is a, uh, is that the league was pushing for you guys to unionize in order to get a CBA? Or can you give a little bit of context on what was actually being asked of you as the players? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what it was, was, you know, when that situation, that situation happened with, uh, you know, with Gidry, um, you know, us as players, you know, with this and the league says, okay, we're going to fold. We're not going to play. And this is players go, you have had us 
by the chain since 87. Mm -hmm. Okay. For 13 years, you have told us what you're going to do and we had to abide by it. Yeah. Okay. Well, guess what? We need to players. We need to start a union. Okay. We need to figure this out. We need to get paid. We need to have coverage. You know, you don't want to have a guy get hurt, tear an ACL and all that. He's got to go home and he's having to pay for surgeries himself or, you know, right. like an incident like Gidry and all of that, you know, that, you know, life threatening and everything. Um, and it was time that the league decided to see that, Hey, we're on TV. We're getting, you know, we're, we're you're drawing money and all of this, you know, not everybody's getting paid a whole lot of money. We don't have insurance coverage, you know, workman's comp during the season. That's pretty much kind of it. Right. Uh, you know, the, the, the living of some of these places, it's time that we have a structured agreement. And it's no different, you know, than when the NFL in 87 decided to do theirs. It just took them longer, you know. And so players came together uh, with some guys out of Chicago that were representatives um, and all of that. And they decided to, at that point in time, make the AFLPA mm-hmm. uh, and went to the league with it. And <clears throat> you know what? And said, here's what we got. You're not going to shut the league down because of this out of the other. We're going to have a union. We're going to have a CBA. Everybody's going to abide by this, and we're going to move forward. And that's when you started to see twofold with this whole thing. That's where you started to see players getting paid a whole lot of money. Mm-hmm. Okay? And I think the first step or the first domino of the league's downfall. Okay. Because also in 2000, it also introduced what had really – I mean, players could go where uh, – could go on one-year contracts they could go wherever they wanted whatever wherever the money was going to bring them but now it was it brought in full-fledged free agency for the very first time and as you said that what that was a game changer in this league it really was i mean it it was because now you know like you said you you know now you go get paid um, and, you know, it's, that's what we hear. You know, we hear that today in the NFL, you know, hey, everybody or even basketball, whatever. Hey, everybody make it to your second contract. Yeah. Get to your second contract and, you know, what you're taking care of. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was full fledged free agency. And it's so funny because it was almost like it was just completely out of the normal. I mean, we would see we would see some money being spent that. Are you kidding me? You know, Um as players, you know, because we would get as players, anytime somebody signed in the union, we got the list of the whole entire contract, right? What it was, what they signed for everything, you know, so we had all that information, um, you know, to bargain with or whatever, but yeah, it was, it was crazy, but you know what, you can't fault anybody for it being free agency and going out and, you know, and trying to get your money. As I said earlier, you know, going out to try to get what you think you're worth. Yeah. Were you ever before this, were you ever a, 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 a union guy? Or did you never really think of yourself as? Because uh, I don't know if you had, had 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 any experience with being in a union before. I mean, you've been in football for for so many years, but had you ever considered yourself a union guy? No, you know what I hadn't, because really didn't know what union was all about. Right. Uh, you know, with all of it, until you know we decided to put this thing together. Um, you know, then every team needed a team rep. Um, you know, and I said, well, you know what, I've been here the longest. I know the organization better than anybody. Yeah. Um, not a lot of people will go in and fight with ownership and coaches and all that. I will, um, you know, to get what, you know, what we can get, you know, so then we all, be, you know, and then we all had a team representative and, you know, you learned a lot with it. You, you really, oh, really sure. did. I mean, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot involved in it, you know, because realistically when this whole thing went through, we didn't even think we'd play in 2000. Right. We thought that it would be a whole nother year before we ever got anything done, you know, and fortunately enough, you know, things got rolling and, uh, you know, 
I would say kind of pieced together, maybe not what we all wanted and everything, but it kind of got pieced together. And then, we, you know, we kept moving forward with it. I, th- I find it interesting, too, though, Gary, is that, you know, the league does this, uh, you know, that we're not going to play. They announced they're not going to play in 2000, but yet less than a month later, I, I don't think it was less than <laughs> half a month later, they decide, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, we're, we're, we'll go ahead and play. We, we decided we're, we'll go ahead and play anyways. Right, because they knew they had to keep those doors opened up because, you know, we were we were a firm believer. Mm-hmm. The league was making money. They were making money, all that. You couldn't tell us as players you weren't making money yeah. uh, with TV and, you know, you're seeing the stands. And, you know, this is really, you know, even too now, now you're starting to see all these jerseys being sold and, you know, yeah. all this stuff and, and everything. And it just kind of took a, you know, kind of took on its own, you know, its own different animal. But like you said, yeah, immediately, you know what, now we're going to play. Now it's all good. So let's sit out at the bargaining table. Let's see what we can hammer out and work out and uh, let's get the season going. Going through the uh, going through the negotiations like that, what's the one thing that you remember the most about when it, that you learned about the Arena Football League going through that process? Well, you know, if you can you say, gotta, <laughs> you're right, you got to take the whole scope of everybody. Yeah. You know, you got to look at, you know, you're bitter with this whole thing because you're you're like, okay, I'm fighting for what all I never got, okay, mm-hmm. but then you have to realize that you have the young guys that have to get a starting point somewhere. Okay. So you can't get all yours and not give them, you know, theirs. Um, and so that was the one thing that was different was us trying to hammer out a a pay, a pay structure, right. You know, by years of service, um, you know, because us that have been in the league now going on, you know, going on eight years, we wanted that money to be high, you know, but if that money was high, then the money was, you know, low at the other end of it. So we kind of had to, you know, juggle through all that and, you know, kind of accept it and you're like okay well if i get to these next two years then i'm gonna get this and then okay you know what i'll figure all that out but it's it was weird sitting at a table with you know 16 players representatives 16 owners lawyers and the whole nine yards and then walking out yeah it's like something you see on tv yeah (laughs) what um once one thing that you remember that the owners and the executives were the toughest to budge on i'm I'm trying to ask the question such a way where you can answer it right um, they, you any, you know, anything in particular? Well, I tell you what, you know, signing bonuses. Mm-hmm. Okay, has every player wanted their money up front, and the owners did not want to budge on signing bonuses because guaranteed, guaranteed money. You're you're absolutely right. You know, and that was the hardest thing to get out of them, and that was one of the hardest things that I think. You know, like I said, we you know now the quarterbacks. You know, the quarterbacks were getting theirs. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, there was no doubt with that. You know. But uh, but yeah, the signing bonuses and all that. I think the guaranteed. You know, we could we could go like three year three year contracts at that point in time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, they they you know that was very hard for those owners to swallow a little bit. Um, how did it change your dynamic? I mean, I know we, we really skirted over the over the season itself. I mean, for the third straight year, you guys did go seven and seven. But do you think it changed the d- dynamic in any way? Because now you have free agency. Now you can actually. Uh, I'm sure many of the contracts and many of the pay, the pay that the players were getting had changed. Do you think it changed your dynamic in any way, or or did it bring you closer together, knowing that you you beat the the you know you beat the 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 evil empire, so to speak, that year? Right. Well, you know, you you had you know you kind of had a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think you had some guys on the team because you know now now all of a sudden everything's structured out. Everybody kind of knows what everybody's making, you know, and it kind of, I'm not going to say had animosity uh, to one another. Right. But I, I think it kind of broke a little bit of what you built and what you mended. And, it, okay. you know, and it, and it really shouldn't because, you know, at the end of the day, 
you know, it's about developing this union and, and getting things paid for and all that that we've never had. It shouldn't right. be about who's getting what and, I, you know, this, that, or the other. But I think that did that. Um, and I think that, you know, created a lot of, uh, you know, the culture was not so close. Uh, you know, I've seen fights and I've seen arguments in practice over salaries. That's wow. just, you know, not just shouldn't be there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and everything. So, yeah, I think it I think it kind of, you know, kind of took a step back with it. Yeah. Um, I've asked the question before. I ask you, you don't again, you don't have to answer it because I've, I've heard some people play, say how it changed from 98, 99 to 2000. Would you be able to give us a, a ballpark figure of what you were offered for that year now that there is a new CBA? Oh, boy. You know what? I think in 2000. I'm trying to think exactly. I was probably sitting and I, you know, and I'm going to be honest that I wasn't at the higher end of my group, you know, really? which was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Um, I think I was probably sitting 55, 60, maybe. Okay. And, you know, and I knew, you know what, and I knew there's four or five, you know, there's four or five others above me. Um, but, you know, here again, you know, I could either walk. Yeah. Okay. Go somewhere else or I could stay, you know, I'd been here long, you know, I'd been here a long time. Uh, you know, I had wrapped up in my contract, you know, I got year round housing. So my housing was paid for year round. Nice. Um, nice. you know, a lot of, a lot of players left. I stayed here in the community. I worked community events. I got paid for. So I did a lot of extras. So I, you know, the salary wise was just during football, but I, you know, I had a lot of other perks with that. Yeah. But to me, I should have gotten those perks a long time ago. It shouldn't right. have, it shouldn't have, it shouldn't have had us to do what we did as a group of players for the owners tonight say, you know what, these guys are worth this. And I get it, it's a business, you know what, and you save a dollar, you totally understand that. But, you know, it almost broke the league, you know, right there. And that league could have been done in 2000 at that mm-hmm. point. They could have just shut the doors completely. Yeah. Um, you know, but then, like you said, then all of a sudden you just started seeing salaries skyrocket from here. Yeah. Um, third year at 7-7, and seven, you guys running into, into Tampa Bay, but what a game you guys had at Tampa that year. Oh. I mean, I mean, even though you guys are seven and seven, you you guys took them to the limit that year. You really did. I mean, it's I'm double checking the box score here. I mean, you guys scored with 25 seconds left to pull within uh, pull within eight. Yep. And and you had a chance to, as I said, I mean, this this is this is a, a Tampa Bay team at that time that is yep. them, Coach Markham, Lawrence Samuels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, it you guys. They said, even though you were seven and seven, you, you took this uh, you took this Tampa Bay team literally to almost to the buzzer. You know, and I think that's you know, <clears throat> with that team that we had, you know, we knew that we had the ability, um, you know, especially going into Tampa and you know having that opportunity there towards the end. You know, a few mistakes here or there, and we're probably on top of all of it. Um, you know, so that's when you look at it. Okay, you know, well, it's seven and seven record. We take Tampa to, you know, the brink of of almost beating them with the squad that they had, you know, what's going on here? Why are we, why are we always, you know, at this point, we never get past this point. Um, you know, and it, then you already, you know, you started wondering, you know, trying to think about things and all of that. And, uh, you know, we move into 2001, you know, we started hearing issues about the Bradley centers going to renovate, mm-hmm. um, you know, and at that point in time, you had the bucks in there, you had the admirals in there. Uh, you had the Milwaukee wave in there. You had us. Well, 
there's only certain times they could renovate. And, you know, we begin to hear rumbles that, in, you know, after the 2001 season, they were going to, you know, renovate that arena. Um, and it could be our last time playing arena football in, you know, in Milwaukee. Uh, and that was before the 2001 season, you wow. know, so it was kind of, it was kind of weird, you know, hearing that and knowing, you know, on the back end of it before we played this season that this could be our last, you know, and then we get into 2001 and, you know, it is what it is from there. Do you think hearing that, that news before the season began really attributed to you guys going three and 11? Because you've been a very steady team over the last four years. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know what, because you think about it, I think a lot of guys, you know, now we're talking in, you know, we're in free agency now and you can sign multiple year contracts. Mm -hmm. I'm not going, I'm not going there for one year. Okay. They're not going to pay the money for one year. Um, you know, because we all talked about it. You know, everybody they everybody asked me what's going on up there. I said, gentlemen, listen, I can't tell you what's going to happen past 2001. I don't know. You know, I've got one year left. That's 2001. And then I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then I think that I think that was some of the downfall with it. You know, we had a disappointing year that you know that year. Uh, you know, didn't expect it to be that, but it, but it was it was it was very disheartening. Um, I also, if I wanted to ask you too, which I forgot to do, for for 2000 when free agency started, did any other team contact you to come to them, or were you set in that? As you said before, you're comfortable. Yeah, uh, at certain perks that you already, you may not get in other cities. Uh, you're part of the community, uh, a long time standing team at that time. Did any other team reach out to you to to try and entice you to come to their city? Yeah, well, you know, I talked to Trig in Grand Rapids, and I thought I thought I was probably going to do that deal. Uh, you know, but we couldn't, you know, come to numbers and all that. I talked to Coach Markham down in Tampa, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little bit with that. Um, you know, but here again, I, I felt like, you know, I was comfortable. You know what? This is home. I'm getting to play here in front of everybody that I know. You know, I've built a name here. Uh, I've done so much here. You know what? I teach here. I coach here. Um, everybody knows me, you know. So why would I pick that up and move that somewhere else and have to start over? Right. Uh, you know, to me, it wasn't all about it wasn't all about the money. Right. Um, you know, as anybody, you know, you, you live comfortable, you do whatever you, you want to do. Um, but it was just about playing ball, having fun, because as you said it, and even to this day, when you see that purple and teal, yeah. the name Compton is like that's that, that's like what goes with it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Um, it really, really is. You know, I got guys with beanie babies and jerseys and, you know, mini helmets <laughs> on Twitter, you know, that's all, you know, that pops up. And, you yeah. know, and I have all those and I'm sitting here looking at all of them now down in my basement, you know, and I'm like, you know, that's what, that's what I, that's what we built. That's what yeah. I built there, you know. So I'm going to ride this thing out. Um, you know what? I'm going to let it play. I'm going to try to try to figure it all out. And if it doesn't and it does go away, then I'll have to pick up and I'll have to figure things out. Well, for 2000 and 2001, you also didn't have your quarterback, so to speak, for the very first time. Was it different not having Hamill throwing the ball to you and instead having Kevin McDougal? I'm not, I'm not saying was, Kevin, Kevin was back. I mean, Kevin did make a name for himself in the league, but I mean, right, you're, you're going right. from Hamill to one of the, you know, right. one of the greats to Kevin you know, McDougal. Yeah, it was different because now, you know, like you said, now all of a sudden you're dealing with a, you know, <clears throat> with a new quarterback. Um K-Mac, I liked a lot. You know, he come from Notre Dame, played in Notre Dame, played in one of the biggest places, played in the biggest games, you know, and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it really wasn't the same as with Todd. Like I said, you know, Todd and I had developed just so many things, um, you know, and everything. But but K-Mac was good. Um, you know, I think in 2001, we did, uh, I think numbers-wise, we did some, you know, we did some pretty good stuff. Yeah. 
Um, okay, even though you, you were three and seven, uh, I, I, I guess, you know, what's funny too, Gary, is that when he said you'd heard about all that stuff early in the year about possibly this would be the last year over at the Bradley Center. And then you play in the preseason at the new arena in Milwaukee <laughs> over at the U.S. Cellular. Yeah. Was How about that? That, that had about- to have been a slap in the face. You know, and that's you know, and that's funny because I'd almost forgotten that. <laughs> and you knew it was an issue when the Nets were hanging three seats over the walls. Oh boy! <laughs> because the con because the confines of the U.S. Cellular would not fit the arena football. Well, to me, if I was a businessman way back when, and I had the Bradley Center and I had the U.S. Cellular, mm-hmm. you know, okay, would I have maybe? put the game in the U.S. Cellular and made, you know, fit it up that way. Maybe somebody should have known it wasn't going to work, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we knew we had issues right there. Cause then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? Just don't care anymore. Okay. Well, why should I care? Yeah. You know, I got, I, we can't even play a preseason game in here. Cause look at this, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and what's funny is that what people need to remember too, is that the, even though this was in Milwaukee, it wasn't a home game technically because, at the time, I think if I'm not mistaken, Florida, you know, it was a neutral yep. site game with Florida. Yep, Florida and was traveling. Yep, they had like exactly. a traveling. Yep, yep, that's true. So yeah, so we were the away team yeah. in the U.S. Cellular across the street from our home arena. <laughs> oh man, um, I, I just have to touch on too is that all the issues that you had that year, it really didn't start off that well, uh, considering that first game versus Indiana at home. Mm. You guys just get shellacked and everybody knows arena football Uh, arena sorry the arena football league the arena football game itself i'm not talking the other indoor games because i know that that is slightly different but when you only score six points and i think Mm -hmm. it's still to this day it's still i think second or third worst uh for a team scoring i'm sure it didn't really help how that's that season was starting no it didn't you know like you said you go from the preseason then we go to this one Indiana comes in, okay, who just moved from Albany, mm-hmm. okay, down to Indiana, come into our place, and we put up numbers like that. You know, now, now you become really disgruntled. You know, what what is management trying to do here? You know, it's almost like you're thinking of the movie Major League. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know well, we're not going to do nothing for them whatsoever. You know, we want it to fail so we have a way out, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so that didn't start off great. Um. I know you've mentioned it. I, I, I don't want you to. I know you've been all you've been careful in how you've been saying this, but what, <laughs> what, the name of your ownership group? They've they've everybody has their own opinion. Um, they've had positive names to it. Some people have been positive. Some people have been negative to it. Mm-hmm. Why did this ownership group seem to go from one of the best in the league when you first got there? to being one that you're like, it was just like, this is happening with the arena. You guys are basically going to get gonna get pushed out. And you're, you're seem to be rolling your eyes mm. when it comes to, when you talk about this ownership group, why, how, how do you, why do you think they changed? Do you think it had to do with the change with the CBA and the new uh, players association, the money itself? Why do you think this ownership group changed literally from the beginning to the end, so to speak? I think, I think a lot to do with it. You know, when you're, when you're in a city, okay, and you're, you know, you're doing things around the community mm-hmm. um, and you don't stand by your word, if I should say, yeah, you know, there's only, 
there's only so many bridges that you burn before there's no bridges left to ride in the city. Right. And uh, you know what? And I think that's part of it. And I think a lot of it had to do with the CBA too. Um, you know, I'm sure the Bradley Center wasn't, you know, as any arena wasn't, you know, cheap to rent. Um, but you know what? You look at the number of thousands of people that are there, you know, that are that are paying tickets. And, uh, you know, we had like 6,500 season ticket holders. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think it just got to the point to where I don't know if it got too big for them, um, you know, because after they left Milwaukee, they went down to Fort Myers and got an Arena 2 team. Mm-hmm. You know, which IE would have started out just like, you know, Milwaukee did in the 94 season. So I don't know if it got too big for them not to be able to uh, run the organization like that. Um, you know, but my whole thing of it is for, you know, all that we did for so many years, if that's a case or whatever, just everybody be up front. You know what? Sell the organization to somebody. Get out of it now. And, you know, because there were some big spenders. We're talking about teams going for like, you know, to, like tens of millions of dollars you yeah, know, so we're at that time it's true you know that, you know because i was you know back then that was i mean so you could have sold you know you could sell that thing and get out if that's what you were doing um and i just think it got too big for them and you know what they just they let it go and it is what it is you know um because i hear people to this day you know run into the store or whatever you know that were season ticket holders and just told you know and they all say it how disappointing the 2001 season was for management to just the way that everything was done here it's just very unfortunate um, obviously after the 2001 season, it has everything they told you, even uh, so many years, you know, the rumors came true. The team is not going to, it's not going to exist anymore. Um, you get a, you get a, a new lease on life, so to speak. Um, what made you, uh, what made you decide to head over to Indiana in 2002? Well, as you, you know, CBA money got big. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost a, they lost a piece of their puzzle, Greg Hopkins. Yep. And Hopkins left and went to L.A. and uh, signed a big contract in L.A. And so Coach Hohensee obviously called me right away um, and asked me, you know, would I be interested in playing there in Indiana? It wasn't it wasn't too far from, you know, from here. You know, my wife was from this area and all of that. And um, lo and behold, I was able to talk her into, you know, going four hours down the road to, uh, you know, to Indiana, um, you know, there and. uh Got there, you know, was glad to be a part, be a part there and, uh, you know, something new on life. Yeah. What was the, so, so even though Coach Ho was, was head coaching in Chicago, he was the, one of the main reasons why we decided to go and uh, go with Coach Daly in Indiana? Correct. Correct. You know, that was part of, you know, and talking to him, you know, with that and, you know, and then daily, you know, we were able to come to, come to an agreement, Mm -hmm. um, like I said, you know, and be able to go down there, you know, play, play for them. Um, what were the, how different were those coaching styles? Because I, I, in my career, sure. I, I saw Coach Ho in Albany. I saw Coach Daly in Albany. So I, I saw how they that how they coached. But what was the what was the difference? But just by your reaction, I can only imagine what your answer is going to be. Um, well, <laughs> what, yeah. what what's the difference between Frazier and Coach Daly as a head coach? You know what? Uh, no bullshit. Yeah. Straight to the point. Going to get work done. That's how Coach Daly operated. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was a different culture for me. Okay. You know, now Eddie Brown and them had been, you know, with that group for a while. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, and Eddie, and Eddie and I were good friends, um, you know, and, you know, he told me coming there that it's going to be different. You know, he said, it ain't going to be like it was in Milwaukee. You know, this is, this is kind of how things run here. Um, you know, and I was like, okay, you know what? I got, I got no issue with it. You know, let's, uh, let's go with it and see what happens. What, what do you think? What is it? I mean, you, you, you can't seem to get away from those uh, 500 records. You go, you go into, to, 
to Indiana or over, you know, for Indianapolis for the very first time, and you guys end up being at seven and seven. I mean, it's, it's not that you had all the pieces. I mean, Raymond Filial, everybody knows the name Raymond Filial. He was mm-hmm. a very good, very good quarterback in the league. Uh, you, Eddie Brown, uh, Leroy Thompson. I'm just looking at the at the roster here. Man. Jay Jones. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, 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 yeah. We had a Van, Van Johnson yeah. also, and then it's yep. just that. What? Uh, why were you a seven, seven and seven team that year? You know what? I, I start looking at it now. That you start thinking about it. You're going, my gosh, am I am I the problem? You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? It was it was one of those new things. Um, you know, there were a lot of new pieces. You know, here again, free agency. You know, you got a lot of guys that, um, you know, and they had and they had a good, you know, a nucleus, a group. But I think we had like nine or ten new faces there that year. Okay. Um, you know, and that and that's different, obviously, to mesh as a team. Um, you know, with that, and like you said, you know, we couldn't get over the hump there, and uh, you know, struggle that year. How's it going from being the guy in Milwaukee to being a number two or, or number three or or whatever it was, whatever you ended, what you would consider yourself, because. You know, your your stats were down the year, but mind you, people need to remember, you had you had Eddie Brown there. Yes, it was it was near the end of his career, but still. Yeah. What 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 was your thought on taking a, a I don't know want to say a lesser role, but not getting the ball as much? No, sure. No, I understand. You know, I think it's kind of that way. You know, sometimes sometimes you you know, you look at going places and uh, you know, you're like, you know what, I just wanna I just wanna win no matter what it takes. You know, I don't have to be that guy anymore. I was mm-hmm. that guy. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and um, that's what, you know, and that's what Eddie and I talked about, you know, and I knew that, you know what, the, when you think of the Firebirds, that's the first person you think of, Eddie yeah. Brown, you yeah. know, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like, hey, you know what, I'm just here to, to, you know, to do my role, to do whatever, I'm here to help any way I can, um, you know what, let's just go out and see what we can do. If it Was it pretty sweet that year of the seven wins that you had, Did you, was it pretty sweet to not, to, to sweep Grand Rapids that year? You know what, that was, that was a nice little, that was a nice little taste. Uh, you know, you wish you would have done it on the other end, you know, there in Milwaukee. Um, but, but it was nice. It was nice there, you know, to beat them twice and, uh, you know, kind of, if you want to say, kind of get a little redemption. Yeah. How, uh, how ironic. And, and by the way, even though you were seven, seven, you did make the playoffs. You ended up having to play, uh, uh, to play Dallas that year. Um, how ironic was it, Gary, though, that you ended up playing your playoff game where you started your career at reunion arena? Yeah, I know. You know, that was weird going back home, um, you know, and having all my family there to watch. Um, and like you said, playing, playing in reunion arena again, you know, it's kind of, it's weird. It's kind of like everything comes twofold, you know, uh, and all that. It was, you know, kind of one of those joyous moments, um, you know, cause you, you know, not knowing at that point in time, you know, I'd been in the league nine years, you know, didn't know what might happen, uh, at that point in time. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty special moment. Um, in 2003, actually, did at any point you end up in Grand Rapids? Were you talked to in Grand Rapids? I ended up in Grand Rapids in 02. Yeah. I think it was the, yeah. was I ended the up, end of 02 that you, cause you, were I, you traded? I was there like, yeah, I was there like half a season. Okay. Yep. Yep. I got traded over there to coach Trigg. Um, they had had some, um, some injury issues. Okay. Um, and he wanted me to come over there. Um, we talked, you know, obviously there at Indianapolis, you know, and uh, coach decided to work a trade out. So sent me over to Grand Rapids in 02. Did you, it, and that, if I'm not mistaken, that's been the first time you were traded, right? That's the first time. That is yeah. correct. Yep. I've been traded twice. I was traded then, and then I was traded in Tampa to go to Philadelphia in 04. 
No pun. <laughs> How did, as a player, and you knew why you were going there, because I've, I've heard that, by the way, the story you just said, I, I've heard before, is where you're needed elsewhere. You're doing okay on a specific team, but you're needed elsewhere to, to hopefully improve the league, improve the team, improve the league, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, how did it feel to be traded for the very first time? I mean, no, now knowing, I mean, now that I know why you were, why you went, but right. how did you feel? I, you know, it was one, I mean, it was one of those deals to where, you know, like I said, you know, being in a place, just wanting to help out, but kind of seeing how things were, mm-hmm. um, you know, and not to say that, you know, not my worth or anything like that, but just, you know, maybe thinking my role would have been a little bit bigger than what it was. Um, you know, and then having the ability to, you know, of what happened in GR to, to be able to, you know, to ask for a trade and for them, you know, because they didn't have to grant a trade, no. you know, uh, but they were nice enough, you know, to do that and to grant that trade and, you know, send me back to where Coach Trigg was coaching. Yeah. And it's too but people remember trades, trades usually happened at the beginning of the season right for camp. Trades rarely occurred in the AFL. That's one thing that, besides he- head coaches rarely getting fired during the season and trades, they rarely yep. occurred in, in, yep. the, in the arena league. Yep, that is that, that is true. You know, you would see a lot of people get cut and a lot of people get picked up. Mm-hmm. But and you know, and part of the reason why with the trades and all that because now if a team if a team trades somebody, okay, now they've got to get that player to that destination. Yeah. Okay. So now what is that? What all does that involve? There you go. There's more money involved in all of that. You know, what does it take? So, you know, you didn't see too many trades at all. No. And you did, and you did well, by the way, I got to at least mention to everybody, you did do well in Grand Rapids. So you did help that team. I mean, almost 700 yards, 17 touchdowns. So uh, it, it, it all worked out for you in the end, obviously. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Um, how did you end up? You know, obviously, you're there. You have your old head coach. How'd you end up in Tampa Bay? Well, so 03 would have been actually the season 02. Obviously, it's free agency time. Right. Okay. Now, Trigg had Michael Baker, mm-hmm. Thomas Bailey. Mm-hmm. Um, um, oh, what's his name? Number 15 for them. That was a, uh, that was a stud. I'm that looking here. Uh, Willis Marshall. Yep. Had uh, Marshall. Steve, uh, Steve Smith. Had Steve Smith. Ter- and, uh, Karen Shaw. Ricky Terrence Ross. Shaw. So yeah, he Terrence had all Shaw. those guys at receiver. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm going into, you know, I'm going in to be 33 years old. Okay. And so, you know, he told me before the seat, you know, before that, Hey, you know what, if you can go anywhere and get money, you know, um, that you think you can get or whatever, you know, however, I would love to see you win a championship before you retire mm-hmm. because of what all you've done for the league. Right. Um, you know, and I took that in and said, thanks, you know, and everything. And, uh, and then I happened to get a call from Coach Markle, and uh, wanted me to wanted to know would I be interested in coming to coming to Tampa. And uh, you know, my first reaction was, "Well, did Lawrence Samuels leave, Coach, or uh, <laughs> you know what's what's going on?" You know, and he's like, "No, Law Dog's still here, you know, but you know, we need we need some depth, um, you know, at that position. And uh, you know, I know you've been a solid player, and like for you to come, you know." Come join our organization, you know, on a one-year deal. Here's what it, you know, here's what it is, and uh, you know, and I said, okay, I'll think about it, and kind of, you know, worked around some other places and everything. Thought, you know what, I can go to Tampa. I think it'd be kind of neat. I got, you know, I'd have a chance to win something, um, you know, and decided to go there in 03. Uh 
it's kind of a good thing you did. You know, everybody's talking about winning a championship. You'd gone through your entire career, and it's true that some many players may not win a, a championship in their career. But careers winding down slightly, 2003, you made the best choice. I mean, 12 and four uh, for the Storm, you win your first championship. Yes. How? Uh, I mean, after everything that you've done, Gary, throughout your career up to this point, now first you're winning your first championship. As soon as that that uh, that clock hit, you know all zeros at home versus Arizona in, th- in front of almost 20, uh, 21,000 people. How'd you feel? You know what? I mean, it was great, you know, to, to finally be, I guess you say at the pinnacle yeah. of, of that, you know, to, to be able to, you know, take that trophy and raise that trophy because at the, at the end of it, you know, that's what we all play for. That's what we all want. And to look back at, you know, all those years that where I played and, you know, came close but never got there to be able to go somewhere like Tampa, you know, and and we had all the horses um, and to be able to win that championship was, you know, it was satisfying. It was, uh, you know, almost like, you know, the, I could have walked off, you know, I could have rode the, I could have rode the horse in, into the sunset on the beach and been like, you know what, I'm all good. Yeah. Um, any different feelings going into the championship game itself? Because as I said, it was the very first time you'd actually started to suit up for a championship game. I mean, you guys were, were such a good team. I mean, for you personally, I mean, any any different any different thoughts that went through your head getting ready to to you know getting getting ready for the arena ball? Just you know what? It's it's another game. That's how you had to look at it. You know, you prepare the same way. You go about things the same way. Um, you can't, you can't make it any bigger than it is. And, uh, you know what, just go out and, you know, contribute how you may be able to contribute, uh, when your numbers call, do what you can do and, uh, see what may happen. How do you, did it at any point? Cause I know players are different. They pot, they block things out as best as possible and get staying in, uh, you know, keep their mindset in for the game. Did it matter that you guys are going to be on national television? I mean, we're talking not cable. You're going to be on national TV on NBC. Yeah. You know, and that's what, that's, what's really cool about it. You know, you're, you're on the biggest stage that there is. I mean, back then, you know, it was, uh, that was primetime football. It was on, everybody was watching it. Um, you know, it was just, it was just a neat, it was a neat atmosphere. It was a neat culmination to a season. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was kind of a great, like I said, ending to a career, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, Cause so many people, you know, when I look at, I look at so many players, you know, I look at, um, Jim Kelly, you yeah. know, to play in so many Super Bowls and never win Dan Marino uh, too. Dan Marino, you know, mm-hmm. to, to do, you know, all the great players that have come through our league that have been so close and never been able to win a championship, yeah. uh, you know, to, to win one and be one of a small group, you know, yeah. um, you know, it was very satisfying. Uh, where is your championship ring right now? Uh, it sits in a uh, case holder up in my room. Yeah. When was the last time do you uh, do you did you oh, take it out and actually wear it? <laughs> probably five six years ago. Yeah. Yeah, but it's something to look at. You know, some kind of cool to look at for your kids to see and uh, mm-hmm. you know and to have it. Yeah, and you can say you, now your kids can say you did win a championship. That's exactly right. Um, what was it? I, and I've I've heard many many a story, but I had to at least ask you what. What was it like having Coach Markham as a head coach? <laughs> you know, he, you know, and I, and I go back and, you know, you talk about Jerry Trice and, you know, Jerry yeah. Trice was part of that tree of Markham's. That, uh, that's true. Yeah. My, my head coach in college coached with Coach Markham. So I, I you know, I, I had gotten a taste of a little bit 
of, of what he was like. But I tell you what, you talk about a gentleman that would coach his ass off, but then he would tell you what you did wrong in a heartbeat mm-hmm. and then come right up behind you after the game's over and tell you how much he cares about you. Um, he was, there's, there's so many reasons why that he's won as many arena bowls as he has. Yeah. And, you know, he's had a lot of talent and all that, but we always know that talent doesn't always win things. Um, you know, he was, he was a great coach. He was, he was very, it was very, very fun to play that year for him. I will say that. I, I can only imagine, <laughs> I, you know, I can only, I, I only knew of him. I, uh, I've said it before. I, that's one of my arena football regrets is I never got to meet coach Markham. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm living vicariously through all your stories. So, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was, he was definitely, I'm sure all the stories you have heard and, uh, and a lot more, that was definitely that man. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, you, you talk about your second time getting traded, how you just went a championship and now you're off to another team, you're off to the soul. What, uh, how do you end up going, uh, getting traded over to the soul? Well, as we'll all know, uh, Coach Trigg was the head coach of the Philadelphia Soul. Mm-hmm. They right. were in, first year, they, by the way. First year, first year expansion team. Okay, <clears throat> he didn't have again. He didn't have a lot of depth and a lot of uh, <clears throat> you know people that had a lot of experience. And so um, he contacted Coach Markham, and I think you know told him this was during the preseason actually, and uh, <clears throat> you know told him said, "Hey, I need Compton up here with me," you know. With my team, I don't have a lot of experience. You know, Tim came and talked to me and, you know, you know, would you want to do this? And I pretty much told him, you know, at that point, you know, I said, this is pretty much my last year anyway. I said, I kind of say, coach, you know, no regrets to you or none, but I kind of like to go maybe finish where I started with him. And, you know, said no problem. They worked out a trade and, you know, I went off to Philly. Who'd you get traded for? I didn't have a chance to look that up, but who'd you get traded for? You know what? Probably a case of beer and a pack of cigars or something. Who knows? Few, you know? few, and, and and then the league called it futures. <laughs> the league called it futures. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like having uh, having Bon Jovi and, and Jaws and having them as the ownership group? Now, now that's you know what. Now you're talking about you know some high profile people. Yeah. Uh, you know Bon Jovi really did it did it right there in Philly, and so did Jaws. Uh, they had that city by storm. Um, you know, they did a lot of good things there, you know, the logo, the colors, the name, yeah. uh, you know, was all, was really, really cool. Um, did a really, really great job there. And obviously, you know, still around to this day, you know, and everything, but, uh, yeah, it was a great experience up there. Now, as you had throughout your career, you, you happened to start off with many other teams where coach Trigg was your head coach. And you also, I also happened to have, uh, Todd Hamill as your quarterback also, which happened to be in this case also. He was also on this team. Um, how did you how did you feel about this about this season itself? Because obviously it is your last season. You said yourself at the beginning is probably going to be your last. How, how did you feel about the season itself? Did the record really mean anything, or was it just more or less the camaraderie and being able to play? Uh, you know, I, I think it was a camaraderie and being able to play. Um, you know, records will be what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I always played the game hard, um, and I think everybody will always, you know, that's how they looked at me is I'm, you know what, I'm just a hard-nosed player, and I mm-hmm. played it that way, you know, even even up there. Um, you know, just wanted to go out have a good time. You know, obviously we want to win. I mean, that's that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, but but winning isn't, the, you know, the most important thing. You know, with that, let's go out and, you know, do what we do. It's an expansion team. Maybe we don't, you know – expect a whole lot, you know, with it being right out, right out of the gate as your first year. And, uh, 
you know, see if we can't put this team on the map and all of that and, you know, let it build from there. Yeah. Um, what, um, what finally, as I said, I know you'd been at least sounded like you were thinking of it before you came to Philadelphia, but what, what finally made you decide to uh, end your career as an Arena Football League player? Well, what actually happened was, so Pat O'Hara, um, who we remember, who was, you know, been in the Arena Football League for many, many yep. years, during the offseason, he was pretty much a football movie finder guy. Okay. okay? Any given Sunday. Yep. Mm-hmm. Invincible, all that. Well, they were shooting the longest shard at that point in time. And uh, so I had a chance to go to California um, for four months and shoot the football scene of it. Okay. And during the second half of the football scene, I got hit and tore my rotator cuff. Oh, boy. <laughs> And once I, there again, you know, and I was thinking about retiring anyway, but at that point in time, I knew that it was, you know, I, I, was, I was in, you know, rehab for like 14 months. Oh boy. Okay. You know, with that. So, uh, yeah, so that was pretty much the, uh, that's pretty much when I knew it was time to hang it up, you know? Uh, but like I said, I would have hung it up after that 2004 year, um, you know, and everything. Cause I felt like, uh, I had accomplished what I wanted to accomplish, uh, you know, and, and, and go out and, uh, you know, say I did what I wanted to do. Um, you look through your awards that you had during your career, Gary. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, uh, many, uh, yeah, I mean, man of the year for Bill, uh, uh, your build, build for tough man of the year. Uh, you're on, uh, quite a few first team all arenas. You're on the all Ironman team. Uh, you made the second team 15th anniversary team in 2001. Um, it's, you look back at your career. Do you, are you happy with, with, you're, I mean, you know, many players may not look. It's just about I want to play, and that's necessarily I don't care mm-hmm. about the records. I don't care about the stats. I just want to have fun with what I'm doing. When you look back at your career, are, are you satisfied? You know what? I yeah, I am. Um, like I said, you know, there's always a path that's built for us. We never know why it's to go that that route. Um, but you know, I, I was able to do a lot of things in this league. Um, you know, I feel like I was, you know one of the founding fathers of it because it way back when, you know, it was still going um, up until I retired and, you know, laid, laid the groundwork for some of these other guys that, you know, were able to come through and benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the biggest award, I think in all honesty that I cherish the most is probably the 2001 built for tough, okay. you know, man of the year, because that's a, you know, that's a two way player. Um, you know, and it was nominated every week and it was picked by the league and then every team had a player that it went to a board and to be nominated by my, you know, my peers as that guy, um, you know, I think is, is bigger than a championship, um, you know, when everything just showing kind of the culmination of, uh, you know, what all I had done and the biggest special moment about it was they did when nine 11 went down, mm-hmm. um, in the ESPN news magazine, they did an article and it was in that episode of that magazine. So I had the nine 11 cover with the write up of me being a bill Ford tough player of the year. So oh, it was kind of cool. cool how that, that all went together. Yeah. Um, quite, you know, and everything. So I have a big frame of all that, you know, and everything up down, you know, down in the basement and all that. But yeah, I think that's just, you know, I think that's, uh, the one that I kind of cherish the most. What made you, um, uh, try your, uh, try your hand at being a head coach. Cause you were, you were uh, hired by the Bakersfield blitz, the AF two in 06 and 07 as their head coach. Well, what, what made you decide to try head coaching? Well, you know how it is when we all get done playing, we all think we can coach, you know, yeah. and as you know, 
you come to find out not all great players make great coaches. Uh, yeah. But I tell you what, my in 06 in Bakersfield, and I had um, I had Cedric Walker, who played in the Arena League for a long time, as my defense yeah. coordinator. Um, and I had Corey Stone as my line coach, who played in the Arena Football League. Uh, we built a team there in Bakersfield, and we came six seconds away from playing for a divisional championship the very first year oh. against Spokane. And uh, they beat us on a, on a last-second play, um, you know, and everything. And so I was like, okay, coaching's easy. This is easy. Shoot, look, you know, look what I got here. Um, <laughs> but as we find out in AF2, you have a huge turnover in players. Yes, yep. You know, you hardly ever have the same team and all of that. And, uh, you know, spent that, spent that 07 year in Bakersfield and thought, you know what, Maybe this kind of isn't for me, um, <clears throat> you know, and then, then went home and, you know, kind of bounced around, did some other coaching gigs. Um, you know, that's obviously, you know, what and I'm sure you're probably going to get into it. What brought me back here to Milwaukee? I was. I was going to ask yeah. that because in, in, in 09, uh, you, you end up home, so to speak, to, to finish off your, your, your football, your, your arena football career. You end up as the head coach. Uh, of the uh, of the Milwaukee Iron, and at that point, it was the it was the AF two version, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Of Correct. The, of the yep. Milwaukee Iron, but um, uh, what what drew you back to Milwaukee? Well, that was obviously they called me, um, wanted to know would I you know would I be interested in discussing arena football future in Milwaukee? And of course, I asked you know right off the bat, well, what's going on? What is it? You know, and they said, well, you know, we're going to be part of the AF two. We've got Harley Davidson tied in, you know, with the colors and everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'd like for you to be the head coach and the GM. Well, you know, I'd been living in Indiana since 01. I, you know, made home there. Uh, we lived there for about eight years. And, my, you know, like I said, my wife is from this area. And so I told her and she was ecstatic because she'd have a chance to come back home. Right. And uh, so we packed up from Indiana, came back to Milwaukee and, uh, you know, started, started the AF2 here with the iron. Obviously, they, you know, they wanted to draw my name with it. Uh, right. You know, which obviously was a good idea for them, um, you know, with everything. And uh, did that for a little while. Like you said, kind of kind of got out of it, said I was done with it. And, uh, you know, just kind of kind of went on about my business and kind of put arena football, kind of shut the door, uh, you know, after probably 18 years of it. And uh, mm -hmm. you know what? Like I said, it's, it's been a great life for me and I, and I enjoyed the ride. One thing I at least wanted to ask you about, because not many who didn't, you know, the people, fans may have followed just the AFL and not just, and not necessarily AF2. Um, what was it like for that exhibition game that you guys played in 09 versus the New Zealand Overstayers? Oh, boy. Because at, at that time, if I'm not mistaken, people may not remember is that the league did have some training camps over in, uh, uh, in Australia and New Zealand, and... It was sort of a trade-off where they had some games there, had some exhibitions there, and they also had some exhibitions here. Yes. Yeah. You guys got cho chosen to to shellac yes. would New be Zealand. A, yeah, would be an understatement, right? Yeah. You know, it was so funny because I had to tell my guys, you know, take it easy. You know, don't, you don't play this like we normally play our game with against everybody. And I think I ended up sending two or three guys over there on their side just so they could finish the game. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, that's kind of part of AF2 and all of that. You know, it was a, like you said, it was kind of a startup league, kind of the way the arena football was, as it brought up, you know, we, we use it as a farm system. Mm -hmm. If you want to say it yet, you know, in smaller cities, um, you know, there, there had even been talks way back when we were going to do this, 
back in the heyday of the arena football league where you, you know, you'd be able to have, you know, you could call up anybody you wanted to at any point in time. Right. Uh, you know, with that, and that's kind of what the AF2 was developed to be. But, uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was, it was a good time. I have to at least ask you, because obviously you, you go to the, at that time when you're coaching for Milwaukee, that's all, that's the only arena football that's being played at that time. And you've been a part of the, you know, you've been a part of the, of the, uh, of the, of the initial CBA uh, back in 2000. Um, and obviously the league itself had folded. And as you said, you know, possibly those dominoes fell the way they did. And the league folded for the second, third time, actually, mm-hmm. for the third time in 2008. You had been a part of the league so much. What were, what were your thoughts when you heard that the, that the league decided to not come back and to declare bankruptcy and not come back in, in 2009? You know, it's, <clears throat> it's kind of a bitter moment because, you know, you were, <clears throat> you were a part of something um, for so long, but yet you were a part of something that, may I say, helped those dominoes fall. Yeah. You kind of got a good and a bad to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with it, but you know, you always think that it would survive. There's always a way that it would survive. It survived for so many years the way it's been done. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always, you know, there's always another ownership group, or there's always moving to another city, or you know, it's kind of one of those things where when you see the logo or you hear Arena Football, you know, 26, 27 years, you know, you just don't think that it's going away. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, and it's unfortunate. It really, really is because. Now we only have memories, um, you know, on a league that's extinct now. Uh, but I tell you what, what a lot of great memories, what a lot of great people, and what a lot of great players. Do you Were you very surprised, because I said you were part of that, of the first real little CBA. Were you surprised at that time that the league could sustain itself on, on at that time, where, you know, players were making mid to high uh, five, and quarterbacks, some were making, you know, mid six figures, for yep. a quarterback and for the for some of the name players, right? Did, did did you ever think it would get to that point? Because I think at that point, I think you're on the the second CBA at that time. So yeah, you know, you begin to wonder, you know, because you knew that you knew that teams relied on sponsorships and ticket sales. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, even even on the second one back then, when they were generating the money from uh, from ESPN on the TV contract, um, you know, there was no money being changed hands. Uh, at that point. So you knew, you know, if you found a team that didn't have a lot of sponsorships or they weren't putting their butts in the stands, you knew that it was in trouble because all these owners that are making money, well, guess what they're having to do? They're having to funnel money to that other side to keep that team afloat because they want their league to stay afloat because they can't afford to have their assets go down. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, like I said, it was unfortunate because you see so many, you know, you read about it and you see so many ownerships that come through and, you know, I've seen so many people put, so much money into some and get burned so bad. Yeah. Um, you know, with it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those deals. Like I said, it was a great league, uh, a lot of great people. Um, you know, I couldn't be more thankful for the way my career went and was, uh, had the ability and the chance to play in this for so many years. Are you ever going to get to a point where you, you hope that nobody recognizes you? Cause I mean, it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it's, I know your your career's over, but it, you were the face of a team for so long. As I said, you are synonymous with Todd Hamill and the Milwaukee Mustangs. Um, it's uh, you know, it's weird because my my son's a junior in high school now. Yeah. Um, you know, and he and he sees the you know the helmets and the you know the beanie babies and the stuff. You know, he follows Twitter. He follows me. Yeah. Um, and the know, games on YouTube. And the games on YouTube, and you know, and 
Tom's doing a great job bringing back historical moments and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so funny when people will, will recognize me and say, Comp, you were Compton from the Mustangs. My son thinks that's just the big, he gets a kick out of that. You know, <laughs> that, that he, you know, dad, you're old now, you know, how do they, how do they, still, how do they still remember, you know, but, uh, it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's just kind of one of those things, you know, I, I in, embellish it. I cherish it. Um, you know, it's just, you know, it's one of those things you do, you know, when you enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I go play golf with buddies and we were playing golf two weeks ago and yeah. we were playing into another foursome up front of us. And lo and behold, they were season ticket holders for the Mustangs. And we no sat around way. and talked for 20 That's... minutes and all that. It was a great, yeah, a great time. That's hilarious. Um, I, I've asked this question too. I mean, you had such a story career. You got your championship. Uh, I said you're well. Everybody knows your name in the AFL. Would you consider yourself a legend? Mm, you know, a legend is a is hard. Um, I'd consider myself a great player. Okay. Um, you know, when I when I see legends, I think of Michael Jordans. Okay. Those type of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I see myself as one that crafted my game out that was special. Um, hard worker, um, you know, wouldn't call myself a goat, wouldn't call myself a legend, you know, just, just one of the pieces to a big puzzle. Okay. Cause you, you played with quite a few legends in your, in your career. <laughs> so I, I can say, honestly, I, cause I know your career, I would place you in that group. Well, so it, I, I, I would, I, would I, call you legend. I appreciate that very much. Um, Gary, let's say five years down the line. Okay. The arena football league does not come back. Okay, for whatever I mean, because you said it's it's died and it's been reborn many time already. Mm-hmm. Somebody comes up to you in five years, somebody who really has never heard about the league before, and and you know they want to know more about it. They saw it somewhere, and they ask you, uh, what they want to know about the Arena Football League. What would you tell them? Very simple: football in a shoebox. That's how I classify it. We want to thank Gary for joining us this episode of the podcast, and as you heard. Uh, the city of Milwaukee meant a lot to him. And anybody who followed the league during his time that he was playing in the AFL, uh, you can see that uh, the fans loved him, the city loved him, and uh, obviously the league he played for loved him also. And it didn't matter that he played in Milwaukee for almost his entire season, but uh, he really made a name for himself uh, in the league. If you happen to miss any of the previous episodes of the podcast, uh, you can go over to SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and the audio version over on YouTube. So we hope you're staying healthy and safe during this new normal that we're calling 2020. We will be back soon with a brand new episode to have more stories from players, executives, etc., from the Arena Football League. So for everybody here at AFL Rewind, I'm Tim Capper. Watch the rebound off the net.